Trade season has officially started for your Detroit Pistons as they have traded Rodney Magruder and the Brooklyn Nets second round pick that they acquired for Bull Bull over in Denver. You guys all know who Bull Bull is. How fun is this experiment going to be? What does this mean? What do we know about Bull Bull? What to expect from him? Where is he going to be in the lineup? All that stuff, talking about the trade, will be talked about in today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. You can also go check us out on YouTube if you haven't already at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. I really appreciate it. Also, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. Tweet at me anything you want. Uh, talk about the podcast. I know last podcast we had was talked about a lot. In the comment section on the YouTube, we almost crossed, I think we're at 98 comments uh, over there. I had a lot of DMs over on Twitter. So uh, always feel free to hit me up over on Twitter. If you're not watching on YouTube, you want to find a way to interact with me. Hit me up on Twitter and we can talk about whatever. Uh, but obviously, like I said in the cold open, the Pistons have gotten involved in the trade season early. Uh, it's January. You know, the trade deadline doesn't come around until around February. Uh, but they got into it a little bit early, and they have acquired Bull Bull from the Denver Nuggets. They traded Rodney Magruder and the second-round pick that belongs to the Brooklyn Nets this season uh, for the the interesting prospect over there in Denver. So uh, to talk about all that, we have one of our friends of the podcast. Obviously, you guys know who it is, Bryce Simon of the Motor City Hoops podcast. Bryce, thank you for coming on, man. How you doing? I'm good, Koo. It's, I feel like it's been like a week. I feel like I haven't been here forever. So um, I'm glad when you hit me up. I'm glad to be back. Um, got my new my new thread on from. Uh, I was gonna Christmas. say something about it. That yeah. that, that, that looks nice. That looks yeah. nice. My my parents got me this for Christmas. Much appreciated, mom and dad. So oh, nice. um, yeah, yeah. I'm slowly fitting the uh, the wardrobe a little bit more with Pistons gear. So, um, but no, nah, I'm excited to be on and talk some Pistons and uh, a lot of Bobo. Yep, obviously. So with with today's trade, obviously it's going to be a majority Bobo podcast. If we have time at the end, we are going to talk about the hot topic of. Killian Hayes has been floating around the Pistons community, but I, I have a feeling that we might not get to it, but stay tuned to the end if you want to hear that. Uh, but yeah, Bryce, the Pistons just sent out Rodney Magruder and a second round pick for Bull Bull. Uh, just real quick, do you have, what were your initial thoughts of the trade? Did you know anything about Bull Bull? We kind of talked about it before we started recording that we've both done a little bit reading, a little reading about him. You said you've dived into some film about him, um, but before you did all that, what were your initial thoughts on the trade before you went into all that research? Sure, sure. I'll save all that stuff. So my initial, like, I don't want to say it was an excitement, but like, you know, the, right now with the Pistons, it kind of anytime there's a move like this, you get a little bit excited and kind of some energy and some juice, especially for a guy like Bull Bull. And that's what I was thinking. Like, this was a bigger name guy for a guy who hasn't necessarily produced a lot so far in his NBA career. So it definitely moves the needle in the sense that it blew Twitter up. People were talking about it. I have people texting me like friends like, oh, you guys got Bull Bull. What do you think? You know, all of that. So in, in that way, it's exciting. It's a young guy who's uber, uber skilled. Koo. I think that's one thing we'll talk a lot about is how skilled he is. And so I think it makes it enticing in that way. Yeah. So just to give you the buck with all you guys, I don't know much about Bull Bull. I don't think a lot of people know much about Bull Bull on the NBA landscape. Uh, like Bryce said, he's extremely skilled. That's one thing that you'll hear from everyone that you talk to. He's an extre extremely skilled player, uh, but coming into the draft, he ended up dropping 
in the draft, I believe the 44th pick because of injuries. And then through the so far through three years in the NBA, he has only played in 53 games. Uh, so not not great. And he's only played a total of listen to this 300 and not include this is not including playoff minutes. Uh, but he's played in 328 minutes through three seasons in the NBA. So, you know, he doesn't have a much much of a sample size at all. Um, he was buried over there in Denver on, on the Jeff chart. They're a contending team. Obviously, they don't have time for developing or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, also, it seems like a lot of Denver people, uh, if you talk to some of them, they said that he had some questions with his motor over there. Uh, but once again, if you talk to anyone you talk to, they will, they will say that he's an extremely skilled player. Uh, so I think one thing with this trade, uh, first off, I want to say that I, they basically got him for free, in my opinion. Ronnie Magruder meant nothing to the team, really. Uh, and this this second round pick was the second round pick I believe they got in the Seku Duboya trade in the offseason. Uh, so it's not their own draft. It, it, it's theirs, obviously, because they owned it. But it wasn't their original second round pick. It was the Brooklyn Nets second round pick, which will be late in the draft that Brooklyn Nets finish where, you know, you expect them to finish. Uh, so for a guy as skilled as Bobo and has, is as interesting of a prospect as Bobo, like you said, Bryce, this isn't just like I, – I think this is a different type of swing that the Pistons are taking, I was, you know – They've taken swings on Josh Jackson, Julio Okafor, uh, who, who's some other guys, Frank Jackson, um, Hamadou Diallo, Jr. Trey Lyles, Dan Smith Jr. Like they've taken swings on all those guys, but I feel like Bull Bull is a different type of swing. I mean, you kind of talked about before the podcast, but I think he's a different type of a swing because of how skilled he is. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to take your words because you said this before the podcast, but I, I feel the exact same. I'll, I'll give you the floor to echo the same thoughts is that uh, Bobo probably has a less likely chance of hitting where you want him to get than those guys, some of those guys may have. But if he does hit, he hits different than those guys would have hit. That's that's what's interesting about him. And the fact that you've got him basically for free um, is it, it makes it incredibly interesting. And like you said, this isn't just a swing for a guy, like I said, Josh Jackson, Julio Okafor, Frank Jackson, Dan Smith Jr., whatever. This is a guy who is extremely popular. He's extremely fun. Everyone loves Bobo. He's a very popular player, so it's a very fun swing that the Pistons are taking. It brings a lot of excitement. Even if he doesn't hit – I mean, he he hasn't been that great of a player so far in his NBA career, but he's so much of a fun experiment that's bringing that type of excitement already to the Pistons. Yeah, I mean, you know, people always say uh, low risk, high reward. To me, there's no risk. Like, it's not low risk. Who? It's no. I did see someone bring up a good point in that you're you have to, you're taking the chance on him. So I guess the argument could be made that you could have taken a chance on somebody else that had a higher chance of being, you know, a potential fit or a potential contributor. But if you type in Bull Bull, I just want to read a couple headlines. I won't go through the articles. Fan cited from 2018. Bull Bull has star potential, but needs to learn to play like one. Um, here was one from SBNation.com. Bull Bull sky high NBA draft upside was well worth the risk. Uh, clutch points. Bull Bull has superstar pin, uh, potential. So like this is a guy. It's not Frank Jackson where like maybe he turns into a rotation guy. Again, like you said, it it's not a very high percentage, but there's a much better chance with him than any of these other guys that, that Troy Weaver's taking a chance on that. He's like a major contributor, like has super potential if he stays healthy and maybe this trade like sends a message like, Hey, you do have to figure out maturity. You do have to figure out you're playing hard. You do have to figure those things out. And if he does, it sounds like the skill level is all there for him to be that high level of a player. 
Yeah, I just want to throw out there as well that uh, his contract right now, he's under contract for one more year. He's being paid $2.1 million this year. He will have a qualifying offer at the end of this year going to the offseason that the Pistons can decide to pick up if they want. That would have a cap hold of hold on, where to go. Uh, it would have a cap hold of $4.08 million at the year. So basically it's going to be a half a year experiment, kind of like Dennis Smith Jr., but I think Dennis Smith Jr. really didn't have much of a chance at all of really sticking around anyways. His position was clogged a little bit. Uh, I think Bulba actually has a chance to to remain on the squad and, and pick up that qualifying offer. So we'll see how it goes when he gets here. Uh, but when we come back from the break, we'll talk about how does Bulba potentially fit into the lineup. Does he start? Does he come off the bench? Whose minutes is he getting? Uh, where is he going to be used offensively? How is he going to be used defensively? All those things. We'll talk about all that when we come back from the break. But first, I got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, one of you guys' favorite sponsors, Bill Farr. It's the New Year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include a Bilt Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Bilt Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. But like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's all the chocolate at? Well, Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most built bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw, all, throw out all the sugary and calorie-filled treats and replace them with built bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. And there's many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so check out Built.com often to see what's new. So go to Built.com, use our promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. That's LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, and if you haven't checked out, or I guess I should say, or haven't checked out the YouTube channel, head over to the YouTube channel, not Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. It's the best way to support the channel. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a fun podcast today, man. Bull Bull, again, traded to the Pistons for Rodney Magruder in a second round pick. I should say that is not, I guess, official yet. Michael Malone of the, the coach of the Denver Nuggets were not, was not able to talk about it before the game today. It'll probably be finalized sometime. But I think it'll probably be finalized either the night we're recording this or the next day, the following morning, whatever, sometime around then. Uh, but it's not official yet, but it's happening. So, Bryce, where do you think Bull Bull fits in? Not just on the floor. Let's not get to the floor yet. But where do you think he fits in the rotation? Because according to Woj in his report, Bobo is going to have major minutes for the Pistons. They traded for him because he hadn't had much of an opportunity in Denver. He's going to get that opportunity, according to Woj and what he said, in Detroit. So keeping that in mind, where do you think he fits in this rotation? Yeah, so real quick, I just want to talk. You, you brought up Dennis Smith Jr. and Hami. Those were the two trades that Troy Weaver made last year. I think those two trades are vastly different. I think we both agree the Dennis Smith Jr. trade was about getting Derrick Rose to the New York Knicks and making him happy and and goodwill and all of that stuff. And so I don't think Dennis Smith Jr. was necessarily a guy Weaver pinpointed and says, I want him on my team, where Hami, I think, was because of the previous. And so I think that's where Bull Bull more fits into that. Like, 
I don't think that Troy Weaver was like purposely trying to move Rodney Magruder for some reason. So I do think Bull Bull will be in the lineup somewhere. I, I wrote out the depth chart, who, and I, I don't know who the odd man out is when the team gets healthy. So assuming they stay with kind of the starting lineup we've seen, Hayes, Cade, Hami, Bay, Stewart, and then you kind of go through the three through the five. And Keith Black Trudeau has been adamant about this on Twitter today that Bull Bull is not your five man. He's not, you know, he's not in direct competition with, say, Luca Garza at the five. But if he's playing the four, then what do you do with Trey Lyles? Now, I'm not saying that that's like should be the overwhelming decision, but is Lyles just going to be out of the rotation? Does, do they slide him to the three, like, you know, and play super big, which would be kind of fun? What, you know, Kelly Olinick's going to be back. And then does it mean that there's no minutes left for Luca Garza? So, I agree with you. I'm just not sure how the roster is going to shake out whenever everybody's back. So just to give some perspective on that, Bobo is 7'2", and he's listed at 220 pounds. Uh, but if you look at him, he's 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 very skinny. He, you know, I don't want to throw out this this comparison because I know this guy is just he kind he kind of lives in some Pistons nightmares, Pistons fans' nightmares. But he he very he's he's built very similar. I feel like to Thon Maker. Uh, he's, he's very slender. He's very like tiny for his size. Uh, Bobo might is, is more talented and more skilled. Uh, but he is, he's, he's tall and lengthy, but he's not very strong for his size at all. So I would be shocked if they played him at five, two. Uh, but if they did it, I, I mean, I guess I could, I could see it happening, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that that's what they're planning on doing. Maybe like in a small ball lineup or something where they just say, screw it, let's go five out or something. Uh, but I I feel like they could do that without playing him at five. So I also don't think he's there at the five. Um, you bring up a good point. I don't know where uh, – I believe the report – I believe that they're going to give him mega minutes. Or I, I don't want to say mega minutes because that's going to sound like, like 40 minutes a night or something. But I, I think they're going to give him good minutes to play and, and earn his keep out here. But, again, let's just go through the starting line. So you've got Killian Hayes, Kay Cunningham, Hamadou Diallo, Sadiq Bey, and Isaiah Stewart. That's five right there. And then you got the backup – I mean, I, right now the backup guard situation is really confusing. So, uh, but that doesn't really impact him anyway. So you got Corey Joseph or Saban Lee and Frank Jackson basically clocking up the, the two, one and two right there. Uh, the backup three, uh, I'm drawing a blank right now. We got Josh Jackson right now, correct? Yeah, th- that's what I have written down on my depth chart. Okay, and then at the four, you got Trey Lyles, and the five, you got Luca Garza. Is that what you're looking at over there? That is what I have. I just know that Kelly Olynyk, I'm assuming, is returning sooner rather than later. So this would be this is this is where I'm at with it. I think before before uh, Olynyk comes back, I think pot, they may go with Trey Lyles and Bull Bull and just have Lyles play center and then put put Bull Bull at the four because they've been running Lyles already at the five most of the time. He's with Kelly Olynyk out, so. I would figure that they probably would push Luca Garza. Excuse me, my voice is cracked. Luca Garza out and push him back down to the G League. Move Trey Lyles up to the five and have Bobo at the four. And then really, I know Bobo probably isn't a five, but then you're you're really interchangeable there on defense. I feel like you're probably just able to switch everything anyways. Or you probably would want, excuse me, you probably would want Trey Lyles handling the five duties. But if they get switched in like a cross screen or anything like that, it's not like the end of the world. I'm assuming, uh, but. I think that's where I'm at right now with the rotation. But I do think it's interesting how they're going to make it work. Because like you said, when Kelly Olynyk gets back, what does that mean for Trey Lyles then? Uh, because it does sound like from what Woj is reporting that Bobo will be getting minutes. It's not going to be one of those things where he just he doesn't he doesn't go without getting minutes. So 
it's going to be interesting to see what they do when Kelly Olynyk gets back. That that's going to have to take out somebody, and it looks like it, it probably is going to be Trey Lyles if the reports are true about Bobo getting minutes. And and we haven't even talked about Jeremy Grant. I think we're working under the assumption that Jeremy Grant gets traded. But if Jeremy Grant gets traded, at least somebody's coming back in return. Even if the the major incentive ends up being a draft pick, and we don't have to get into all that right now, but some sort of player is going to come back just to match salaries. So that's not even including Jeremy Grant. I, I haven't I haven't dove into the film yet. I, I, I plan on to tonight and then through tomorrow and stuff. I'm really interested to see how well he plays on the perimeter especially offensively, but of course defensively too, because he'd have to be able to guard. And I don't know if Casey's this uh, this outside the box or if this is actually that outside the box, but I don't know that Bull Bull doesn't play like the three with Trey Lyles at the four and Olenek at the five. Like I, I know it sounds crazy and the listeners are going to think this is crazy, but I think that's a real possibility. I think he, I keep hearing guard whenever people talk about him. Guard skills, guard skills. He can handle it. He shot in limited touches or attempts, but he shot over 52% or 52% from three in his nine games at Oregon in his career in the NBA. He's a 38% three point shooter. So the guy can stretch the floor. There's clips of him handling it. So I think he's a little bit interchangeable with what you can do with him. Yeah. And there was a time, like I believe this happened in the bubble with the, uh, with the nuggets where they were legit running out there. Like Nikola Jokic, another who was, um, was it Mason Plumley? Was that when Plumlee? Mason Plumley was still in yes, the squad? Yes. Yeah. They were running Jokic, uh, Plumley, and Bobo out there, and Bobo basically was playing the three for some of those stretches. So, uh, again, from what I've heard from Denver, uh, from Denver people as well, also backs up what you're saying that you know it's he has guard skills, and they've seen he wants to be a perimeter player. That was like kind of a that that can be viewed as a positive, but it can also be viewed as a negative, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, some Denver people said that's why he wasn't able to fit with the Nuggets because he continued to view himself as a perimeter player. He didn't want to be down low. He didn't want to bang down low. He didn't really want to be a big guy. He wanted to play on the perimeter. So, But I do agree with you. I don't think Dwayne Casey is the coach that is that out of the box where you start seeing lineups like that out there. But who knows? Uh, because, like I said, reports are out there that he will be getting minutes with the Pistons, a bigger opportunity to prove himself. Uh, if that happens... it's going to be interesting to see where they find these minutes at, especially when guys get back healthy. I will throw this out there to you, uh, Bryce. I want want to hear what your thoughts are about this. So I believe we both are under the assumption that Jeremy Grant will be traded. I don't believe that he's going to see uh, see the court again in a Pistons uniform. I think he'll be traded. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that. Do you you agree with that statement? I do agree with that. Okay, so uh, we both are under the assumption that Jeremy Grant will not play again for the Pistons. What do you think? Do you think that Trey Lyles and or Kelly Olynyk could be traded by the deadline? Do you feel like Trey Lyles, with the way he's been playing recently, could be trying, could be working himself into like I don't know, maybe a second round pick from somewhere? Do you think maybe that's what Troy Weaver's thinking about that he can move one of these guys, one of these older guys? Trey Lyles isn't old, but he's older. Um, do you think he's that may be in the cards soon? It's funny you bring this up. So I tweeted this out. I'm actually working on a Trey Lyles breakdown also. I started it today before all the Bull Bull stuff. And so I'll transition to Bull Bull, but I'll come back to Trey Lyles or work him on him at the same time. But I thought about writing that in the article and I was like, man, am I going to sound crazy saying that we may actually have a, a trade asset in Trey Lyles? But I don't think it's crazy to think that a contender who needs a backup four or a small ball five, like somebody's not trading for him to start, but you know, somebody that has a hole in their second unit may be willing to part ways with the second 
second round pick or another. Um, I'm trying to think who would be the better comparison of the guys that we've talked about, you know, a Frank Jackson type guy, something like that, who they're not getting the minutes on their roster and it's worth the, you know, it's worth it to let that guy go and to bring in somebody like Trey Lyles. So I could see it, you know, that that's, what's always interesting with these things. Koo. Like there's so much information we don't know. There's so many other moves. And so I, I was going to ask you this question. I know we're up against the break, so we may have to answer it after, but do you think the Pistons make over or under one and a half more trades before the deadline? Uh, we can we can keep it going. Let's push this. We can push this second on a little bit. I think they go over. I think they make the. So are we including this trade? Or are we excluding this one? Saying no, excluding this? this one. And and I think we both obviously. Uh, essentially, the question is: Do you think they make any trades other than the Jeremy Grant trade? I think that's really what the question is. Yes, I, I do think they make another one. I don't know who will be. I think. I think they're still probably looking to. Tra- I think they're looking to trade Josh Jackson. I think they're going to get rid of him. Um, I do think that they obviously get rid of Jeremy Grant, and then I, I honestly I do think that they have another trade up their sleeve somewhere with like Trey Lyles or Kelly Olynyk. Um, I, I think it, it depends. I, it, it, I think Trey Lyles is the one likely to go if they can get like a second for him somewhere because with this trade, it just makes me think that they want they're going to need to clear out that spot somehow. Uh, they don't want, I don't think they want to give it to Kelly Olenek. And Bobo, like you said, and everyone's been mentioned, he's not a five. So he's not going to cover that back up five minutes. And I think they desperately needed Kelly Olenek. And I've said on Twitter the last few days, I said on the podcast a few days ago, I think Kelly Olenek should be starting when he returns, whenever he gets back into full shape, conditioning-wise, obviously. Because when he comes back, he'll probably be like on a minutes restriction or something. Uh, but once he gets back conditioning-wise, I think Kelly Olenek should start. So I think that just bumps Trey Lyles out of it a little bit. And again, I I wouldn't go as far to call Trey Lyles some trade asset, but I think with the way he's played, you could possibly send him to a team like for a late second round pick or something, or like I don't know, maybe you can trade him to a team and and trade him to a team that you can just like wave a player in return and save some money or something like something like that. Does a clear up a roster spot or clear up a, a rotational spot? I think something like that could happen uh, with the way Trey Lyles is playing. I think as well. I think this is be this is you know what. You're right. Let, let's let's continue this into the second segment because this or the third segment because there's a question now based off what you just asked me that I really want to ask you now and bring it to the table. So you guys stay tuned for what we'll talk about in the third segment. This is gonna be interesting. Uh, but before we get into any of that, I gotta tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Betline AG. Betline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to playoffs and beyond. Betline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus and your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Line is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. So again, make sure you go check out their new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus and your first deposit by using our promo code locked on. Line, where the game starts. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, go to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons, hit the subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. But okay, Bryce, I want to ask you this. So do you think this this just popped in my head as I was talking. It just like snapped into my head real quick. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Let me ask Bryce about it. Um, so we've talked about it. The numbers with Trey Lyles on the floor for the Pistons have been good. 
It's much better than Trey, uh, uh, Isaiah Stewart. Uh, I, it, that's not saying that Trey Lyles is a bigger future in Detroit than Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart sucks. It's just straight up the numbers. We, ha- I think we have a large enough sample size now to say that as much as we all hate watching Trey Lyles, the team is just better with him on the floor. Now, despite that, I- I've said this on Twitter. I think you quoted this. Uh, he, the team may be better with him on the floor, but he doesn't know how to reel it back. So a lot of these, it's, it's almost like they're better with him on the floor by default, I feel like, basically, because he's the only person out there who can, like, handle the ball a little bit at the five or shoot the ball outside at the five or as a stretch four or whatever, and they just need spacing any way they can get it. Do you think there's any way – let me just ask you this. Do you think there's any way that Troy Weaver also feels that way? Like, he sees, okay, Trey Lyles is helping this team because they need spacing, and he brings some kind of ball handling as a big guy something that we just don't have anywhere else. While he can do that, the way he plays hurts the team at some time. He doesn't know how to reel it in. He, he doesn't know how to take it easy. So instead of just rocking out Trey Lyles for the rest of the season, I'll go get someone who's younger who can basically do some of the same things Trey Lyles can do, and I'll move Trey Lyles away because some of the things Trey Lyles does hurts the team. Or it's just, like, hard to watch. Now, I, I think I may be reaching with that. I'm, I'm reaching really hard with that. But it suddenly just popped in my mind. What do, you, what do you think about that? So I would agree with you other than one of the negatives I've seen with Bull Bull just in the little bit I've done is that he forces tough shots sometimes. So, <laughs> uh, But, you know, if you're Troy Weaver, obviously I think the fan base is going to enjoy watching and be more excited about watching Bull Bull play than Trey Lyles. And so maybe that's part of it. Um, I think it, you bring up a good point, though, because – and it actually involves Trey Lyles still, the Trey Lyles signing made a whole lot more sense when Sekou got traded. Whenever we signed Trey Lyles, everybody's kind of like, you know, what, what's this about? You know, why? And that happened before Sekou got traded. And so I think what you're saying is, is Weaver adding Bull Bull now, knowing that Trey Lyles, Trey Lyles, as I look at things, he's on a really good, possibly expiring contract. He makes like 2.5. It's a club option next year. So a team could, you know, just not not exercise that, let him go in the offseason. Like whether it's him by himself or you attach him to Jeremy Grant, like that's a that that's a sneaky, decent trade asset. And so I think you may be on to something in general in terms of is Bull Bull the replacement for those minutes. Because Weaver knows there's a, a more than likely chance that that he'll move Trey Lyles before the deadline. I think that's I think that's fair. All right, fair enough. I, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to talk about with Bull Bull in general? No, I mean I, I I'm excited because it's Bull Bull. He was a highly recruited guy coming into college. At one time, he looked like a super high draft pick. They invited him. I think they were. They, I just saw like he was at the green in the green room or whatever they call it on draft night, and then he had to sit there till 44. Um, you know, you know, I don't like to talk about like the character stuff, the hard work. Do they love basketball or not? I think that's so hard to judge from where we sit. But there's enough of those storylines that'll be interesting because, as we know, that doesn't always go over well with Coach Casey. And so it'll be interesting to see how those two jive as well. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, before we transition, I told you guys we would transition to some Killian Hayes talk at the end. Uh, but I want to ask you this, Bryce. Because with this Bull Bull trade, this, I feel like there's, and you kind of said it just now, I feel like there's more trades to come because of it. I feel like this is just like one of many things that it kind of, like it makes sense, low, uh, low risk, high reward swing. But then like when you put them on the roster, it's like, okay, well, like who's losing minutes, who's going where. 
So now I'm like interested to see like is there another trade up Tory Weaver's sleeve? And I just want to ask you this: Do you think it's at all possible? And just be be creative with me here. Be creative with me here. Do you think there's any way possible that someone could be traded that we are not expecting that that will be traded? Do you think there's like any way like all of a sudden we may get an update that's like, oh god, I, we did not expect him to be included, whether it's included in a Jeremy Grant deal or he's just traded in general? Do you think there's anybody on the roster that will be and who is it? Yes, I, I, I'm interested to see what the package is for Jeremy Grant. Is it a smaller package that revolves just around him? Or do they go for a big, big fish? And I don't know how realistic like a guy like Jalen Brown would be. But that's the one I've kind of focused in on a little bit more. And obviously, Jeremy Grant doesn't get that done. And we can't attach a first-round pick. And so I don't even know if the, any of the sophomores you know, get it done if you attach them to Jeremy Grant. But I do think if they try, if, if Weaver really tries to go for it, um, I could see, I don't think he lets go of Sadiq Bay the way he's played the last couple weeks. I wouldn't be shocked if, if Stu or Killian was attached, not on their own, but if they ended up getting attached to Jeremy Grant to bring in a, 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 a really good player. All right. Fair enough. I think I, so I, I just think it's interesting. I, I'm I'm playing with ideas in my head, so I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But I, if there was one player that would, like, pop off the screen, like I look at my phone and it's like, oh, God, I didn't expect the Pistons to trade him. The one person that I've, I'm uh, moving towards is not Killian because I don't think Killian has any kind of value right now. So I don't think even attaching him to anything would basically – it would basically be like this a net zero. I don't think – that. I don't think that Troy River also wants to move Sadiq either. I think he probably wants to hold on to Sadiq. I think Stu is the person I would be – I could see him being traded, but I would be shocked if they put him in. He's the one player on the roster where it's like you don't expect him to be moved, but I could see somewhere – I could see him possibly being moved if he's attached to something. Even though I'm not sure even if he moves the needle more – like he probably moves it more than Killian, but like how how much more really? So yeah, I don't know. A- I just thought it was interesting. That's so to plug, you taught me how to do this to plug Motor City Hoops, not this week, but next week we're bringing on uh, Jared Greenberg from NBA TV, NBA on TNT. And that's one of the biggest things I want to get from him as someone who just covers the NBA in general is what 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 do just non-biased fans of the NBA or what do people think about these sophomores? What are the values of these guys? Because you're the one that taught me this also. We always overvalue our own players. We watch them night in and night out. We see what they do best. And we don't know the ins and outs of other teams enough to know. You know, Stu may be a great value to a team that needs only what Stu does, which isn't going to be a great pick-and-roll guy, isn't going to be a great offensive guy in general, but will get offensive rebounds, will play hard, is switchable, yada, yada, yada. That might be a great value. That might be the one missing piece for some team trying to win a championship. And so you, you never know those things with those guys and those other teams. So that's why trade deadline's always fun. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting. The final month, Pistons get in early with the trade of Bobo. They trade Randy Magruder in a second-round pick. It's going to be interesting. Don't know when he'll be playing his first game. The Pistons play a back-to-back, and then they play again on Friday. Don't know if he even plays this week with the trade not being official yet, apparently. Uh, but I think earliest would be Friday, and then I think the next – Next quickest would be, I don't know when they play out there again. What, what, is it Monday they play again Mon- after Friday? I, uh, or Tuesday? Either way, I think the game after Friday was probably the most likely time you see him uh, play because 
we got to wait for the trade the trade to become Sunday, official. Sunday. Sunday. The Sunday. Tuesday. Yeah, okay, Sunday yeah, so the, Sunday. the makeup sun the makeup suns game. Okay, so Sunday I think is probably the most likely scenario you see him play. But uh, we're, we're wrapping up at the end here, so I wanted to get some thoughts real quick, Bryce, on Killian Hayes. He's been a hot route of a topic all season, basically, even in the offseason. But things have especially picked up as of late. Just where are you right now with Killian Hayes? I'm not going to bring up any of the comments that have been said by some fans or some writers or some some analysts or some all this stuff. Just where are you at right now with Killian Hayes? Don't you don't have to go for some long soliloquy with it. Just where where are you at right now with him? Yeah, real quick, Clay Thompson got a bucket. I know he's not some Pistons fan. Oh, there you go. Yes, I was actually paying attention to that. Yeah, on my phone. I, I know. I know some fans don't love him because of the comments and all that stuff, but uh, he he's a really good player and he's at a tough road. So I just wanted to give a shout out real quick there. Um, Killian Hayes won Saturday night. I didn't think he was bad as what people said. Like I watched that game afterwards and I thought he did good stuff. Like I, I'm, we've talked a lot about him playing off ball and I do think he can be successful. I think he has the tools to be successful if the jump shot gets there, but there's also a mentality piece and you have to have the right mentality to be successful in the role that you're asked to be in. And this isn't a knock on Killian. If he's grown up having the ball in his hands, it's really hard to then become an off-ball player. I would really like to see the ball in Killian's hands for long stretches of games, multiple possessions in a row, and just find out. Like, let's just find out if he can do it or not. And it may be a disaster. It may be. Maybe he turns it over. Maybe he can't make shots. Maybe it's a disaster. I think in the limited reps we see, I think he makes good decisions. I thought he made a lot of really nice plays in ball screens last night. But right now, Cade's dominating the ball, and I have no problem with that. Cade Cunningham's the number one pick in the future of the franchise. So we got to find a different way to stagger. To me, it comes back to staggering minutes. Whichever way you do it, I don't care who runs with the twos. He doesn't have to become part of the second unit. Stagger the minutes and put the ball in his hands, and let's see. Um, Because in small sample sizes, we see the the highlight passes, the vision, all of that stuff. I I just want to find out. So do you feel like... This was something I saw someone say on Twitter, uh, and I hadn't thought about it for a second. But then I started re- rethinking some games and some of the things I could. I don't know about you, but I've told you guys who listen to this. One of the things I love watching for, and I, I, it's the reason why I caught Hammy or Hami flipping out with Dwayne Casey on the side or Killian being frustrated after like a of a benching or whatever. I always watch like not just the ball. I'd be watching players like reactions to things and what their emotions are, or whatever. Someone brought up that they feel like they it seems like the killing's frustrated with his lack of on-ball touches. Do you feel like, do you feel like, have you seen that? Or do you think that's just something you have to watch for moving forward to see if that's true? Or do you feel like it is in your memory? You've seen like you, you see stuff like that as well. So again, I, I, I try not to get into that stuff too much, but I will say there's a very distinct, because I was watching Killian very close when he was on the floor based off the Twitter feed and then getting to watch the game. That Sometimes that's the nice thing about watching it after it's you know shown live. So I watched him very close, and I specifically remember a possession where he didn't touch the ball and he felt like he should have, and it translated to a not very good possession on the defensive end. And I think a lot of people would have to admit that he's a good defensive player. He, he is. And so that to me was a sign of frustration. Now it didn't continue. It didn't last more than one possession, but you did notice on the ensuing possession, like a little less effort and focus and intensity. And so, yes, like 
And and I get it. If he's play, I, I don't know his whole history. I'm not going to pretend that I did any scouting of him before he came in the league. But if he's used to playing with the ball in his hands, that's not an easy transition to now go, you know, stand in the corner, as people say. And so, uh, again, I would just like to see it. I'd, I'd like to see him get those opportunities. And if he falls on his face, then at least the Pistons know and we as fans know. Fair enough. So that that's we're, – we're at 36 minutes, so I guess I'll wrap it up a little bit with this. I just want to see the ball in his hands more. I, I don't think he was as bad as people try to say he was the other night. I think it's gotten to a point now, though. I, I feel like he's not as bad as people say, but I think it's because, like, they want more from him. So anytime he doesn't hit what they – what like, the other night, what was it? He had, like, 5-3-2, and two, whatever, and, like, 50% shooting. Like, he didn't shoot the ball a ton, but that's basically, like, what – that's like what he is right now. Like he's not actively hurting the team, but I guess you can't say he's actively helping the team. It's like, he's just out there right now. Uh, so I guess that's why people are so frustrated with it. Cause I don't think he's actively hurting the team out there. Like I, I tweeted out like his net rating and it's on off rating. Like he's a minus 2.2 right now, I think on off, but everybody's like down there because the team's losing. So I don't think there's many people who, I think there's only one player. I think it was Trey Lyles who had a, uh, had a positive uh, on, on off difference. So I, he's not actively hurting the team. He's just not actively helping it. He needs the ball in his hands. Me and you've talked about it many times before on the podcast that he looks like he's a, a developing as an off-ball player. Actively, actually, if you look at a synergy chart, the one thing that it says that he's really good at is cutting off the ball. He's in the 54th percentile. Yeah. They haven't rated it as good. So it's like that's the one thing that they say, according to like points per possessions, that he's actually good at. Uh, but I, I, this is like what I'll say right here. His usage rate last year as a rookie – was at 19.0%. That's not some insane usage percentage. That's just like base. That's like, I think that's just like normal usage rate, I guess, for like a point guard, I guess, that brings the ball up the court, whatever. This year, he's at 14.2. Like, he hasn't had a massive drop off. Like, this isn't just, a, okay, he needs to learn how to play off ball. Like, he has exclusively become an off ball player. Before the season, I feel like we were talking about, okay, how will him and Cade share the ball? How will they fit together? It's now it's strictly become. How is Killing Hayes fit with Cade? It's not. It's not even close to the other way around. It's he's been exclusively put to off ball, and I said this on Twitter, and I guess this is like will be my last comments on it. Is that I don't know if he. I think he can be a good player. I'm very high on Killing. I believe in Killing, but if he does reach where I believe he can be, I don't know if it's going to be in Detroit because it won't happen this way. Like 100%, he has to be an off-ball player. 100%, he needs to learn how to do that stuff. I feel like he is getting better at that. He actually is, but exclusively as an off-ball player, he's not going to become a good player doing that. I I don't think that's possible. So if he, I'm not saying he will become a great player. Like I think he could be. He may become a bust, but I feel like his only chance of becoming the player I think he could be. There's no chance of it happening with the way he's being used right now. Uh, and this is just some uh, interesting stat I'll throw out there, Bryce, and I'll let you finish it off. I was uh, our friend Hal, a uh, friend of the podcast we just had on like last week. He tweeted out something I had no idea about, uh, but I, I thought it would be interesting to show everybody here. If you go to Synergy right now and you look at Kate Cunningham's pick uh, reps as a pick and roll ball handler, right now he ranks in the 25th percentile and he's scoring 0.70 points per possession as a pick and roll ball handler. Now, I want to say this real quick. Kate is great. He's the best. Uh, he's going to be the best player for the Pistons. I think he's the best player in the rook in, in the draft. I absolutely love Kate. This is just perspective I'm bringing. So that's where Kate is right now. 0. 0.70 points per possession as a ball handler. Keelan Hayes in what is it? Over 
over 115 less possessions as a pick and roll ball handler is producing the exact same points per possession as a pick and roll ball handler. Uh, so it's on a much, much smaller sample size, but they're producing basically the same result as a ball handler. So I don't get the, I'm not asking for the ball to be taken out of Cade's hands. My thing is I don't understand why when they stagger him, he's still not getting the ball with Cade when he, when killing when he's not with Cade. Why is he still not getting the ball? Cause he's basically producing the same type of results as Cade's doing. So it's, I, I don't know. I, I, you don't need to make him a focal point of the offense, but I think it's gotten, it's, it's drifted way too far to one extreme right now with him on the offensive end. And it's kind of hard for for me at least to see. It's kind of hard for me right now to say that he's not like actively trying to contribute when it seems like that the majority of play sets and the majority of the way he's being used is just off ball when I don't feel like that's who he is. Yeah, I'll just say real quick. One, we, we continue to talk about it. Stagger their minutes, let Killian play on ball, dominate it. And then also, I don't think it would hurt to play Cade off the ball some more reps. I thought we'd see much more of Cade off the ball than what we've seen. I know he needs on-ball reps to get better in pick and roll and all of that, but I don't think it stunts his growth just because you're putting Killian on ball at times whenever they're out there together. So those two things, stagger him and let Cade play off ball a little bit more. Um, I don't think that hurts him at all. Do you think that, quick yes or no, do you think that benching Killian would actually get him more reps as a ball handler? My thing is, my answer was that I would be fine with doing that if I believed that that would lead to him touching the ball more. I've seen them stagger him and kill him and Cade, and even when he's not on the floor with Cade, he still goes over in the corner and basically spots up. So, do you believe that that would lead to more uh, uh, chances with him with the ball in his hands? I, I would just say I don't think that's necessary. Like again, I know we keep bringing up the same word, but. Just stagger their minutes. Sub him out with six minutes to go in the first quarter. Set him till the start of the second quarter, and then ru- let him run the unit for the second unit for the first six minutes of the second quarter, and then the fourth quarter. That's twelve minutes where he gets to dominate the ball. That's plenty of possessions where we he he gets the usage that we all want. So I think it would be an unnecessary move, um, unless you just think somebody else is going to play that much better next to Cade. All right, fair enough. We'll see how it goes. This was a longer episode, but. We had a lot of bull bull to talk about, and Killian Hayes was dominating the community over the past, like, three days. Like, it was just nonstop chatter by him, so we had to talk about that. So I hope you guys appreciate the longer episode. I'm pro- sorry about it, but we had a lot to talk about. Uh, thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. Make sure you go check out our YouTube channel, at Lockdown Pistons. Make sure you make your second listen of every day, Lockdown Bet, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all your platforms. Make sure you guys also go check out Bryce and his podcast, the Motor City Hoops podcast. Make sure you go check him out on Twitter at Motor City Hoops. And until the next podcast, have fun watching the game tonight, Monday, 7 p.m. Have fun with it. Until the next podcast, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe, everybody. Peace out.